Tatiana Jovanovic, the founder of the Humanitarian Changemakers Network. Welcome to Changemaker Q&A, where we answer questions from young Aussies about social change to better equip and empower you to change the world. If you have a question about making change happen, just head to the link in the episode description to leave us an audio or a written question, or head to humanitarianchangemakers.net forward slash podcast. No question is too big or too small. We can help you with anything from breaking into the social change sector, questions about specific topics or issues you don't quite understand, or advice on how you can best take action to make a difference in the world. Now, on to today's question. Welcome back to Changemaker Q&A, everybody. Today's episode is going to be a Changemaker chat with our guest, Alicia Petrie. Alicia has combined her love for travel with her passion for conservation to create her very own eco-travel company, Chase and Clean Coasts, and a podcast, Chase and Travels. I'm super excited to hear from Alicia about her story, travel tips, and of course, what it was like starting her very own travel company right before the coronavirus pandemic. Okay, so thank you so much for joining me on this episode. Do you think you could just begin by telling us a little bit about who you are and what it is that you do? Yeah, absolutely. Thanks so much for reaching out and getting me on board. Um, from one podcaster to another, this is always fun. So I'm Alicia. Uh, I have a podcast also called Chasing Travels, and then my eco tour company is Chasing Clean Coasts. I am a mad keen traveler and conservation lover. So I have basically spent the last 10 years molding my lifestyle and career around that. And yeah, it's led to a lot of different adventures and exciting things and met a lot of people through it all. Um, and especially now with the podcast, I'm able to connect with lots of like-minded people and, and tune into other people that just love doing something and um, care about the, the world a little bit. Awesome. I've totally stolen this question from your podcast. <laughs> How many countries have you been to? <laughs> when I read through the questions, I was like, oh, okay, there you go. There's a few in there. I was like, okay, this is what I ask my people. And I actually don't know. I think it's 25. Um, and I've got the map behind me. And I was like, I should probably do a little count for that. But let's say 25 and still okay. counting. That's a good number. What do you reckon are your favorite places that you've been? I have a very strong connection to Thailand and India. Um, Thailand, because I did live there for a few years, so I have a lot of good mates that basically became family over there. Um, and, you know, it's, it's sort of like a second home. Whenever I go back there, I just feel, I feel at home. I can speak a little bit of Thai. Um, so it's always nice when you get out there and you arrive in Bangkok Airport and you sort of know what's going on. Um, but in saying that, I do also love rocking up to a country that you have no idea what in the world's going on. You're just like, all right, let's do it. Let's ride this roller coaster, um, which is why I love India, because I feel like that country is just an emotional roller coaster. And at the time, you're just banging your head against the wall and you're like, what am I doing? And then you look back at the day and be like, oh, my gosh, that was epic. I love that. So yeah, India and Thailand. I can totally relate. Yeah, India is definitely in my top. Um, what's big on your bucket list of places to go to next? Next, I really want to go to Sri Lanka. I would just love to get down there, stay in a little shack on the beach and my partner and I ride into surfing. So I could just see like two or three months, just sitting on the beach, having coconuts, surfing, doing a bit of yoga, eating. I love eating when I'm in other countries. 
uh, and Mexico. Mexico is high on the list. And everywhere else that I haven't been. <laughs> everywhere else, I can, yeah. I love Sri Lanka, actually. If you've been to like the south of India, yeah. it's yeah, very similar to like the south of India. Um, I'd love to know how do you typically travel? Like, do you normally travel on like your backpacker? Do you stay in like kind of nice hotels or resorts? Do you like camping? Um, a, a bit of everything, but definitely more the the budget backpacker camping style. Um, if I'm splurging on a five star resort, which hasn't actually happened in my life, but if I was to be splurging, there'd be a good reason for it. Um, I do love a good resort breakfast, and you know when you rock down there in the morning and there's just food galore. I do love that. Um, but no, also I think that connecting with the country can be done through, you know, staying at homestays or um, B&Bs, that sort of thing where you can actually get to know the, the people and you can sit around the dinner table with them and learn about their culture and what they do on their everyday today sort of thing. Um, and then here in Oz, definitely not a five-starer because, well, then we'd be broke. Um, so, yeah, mad keen camping person. Um, we actually have a little caravan, so we hitch it up whenever we can and head bush or head to the coast and soak up the nature. Nice. So how old were you when you kind of got into travel and how do you think it's shaped you as a person now? Yeah, so... Um, I, well, our families are pretty mad keen travelers as well. So when I was eight or five, I can't remember the first trip. It was five, 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 five. Um, we traveled around Australia in a caravan for a year and my parents homeschooled me. And then two years later, um, we did it again for 10 months and same homeschooled. So we just sort of grew up, you know, playing in the dirt playing out on the beach, counting coconuts to do multiplication, this sort of thing. Um, and then we did the New Zealand, was our first official overseas. And, well, wow, what a cultural experience <laughs> I'm coming from Oz. But, no, it was great. And then after that, we hit Southeast Asia. So it, was sort, of, it sort of became our ritual for the family to do an annual trip, trip to Southeast Asia. And I just love that, that cultural buzz. I love the smells. I love the unknown, the people that you meet. So I think that has shaped me to have quite an open mind um, with my everyday today life and sort of realise a little bit about how the Western world lives compared to a lot of third world and developing countries and that, you know, we really don't need a lot. And sometimes visiting these countries is a good reminder of that. And you sort of have that little kick up the bum to go, okay, yeah, what are you, what are you stressing about? Um, yeah. And then obviously the conservation side of it, big eye openers overseas. I got involved with the conservation side of it um, when I was about 15 here in Queensland, um, we used to camp on a beach that the turtles come up to lay. Um, and yeah, I just got hooked. I followed some volunteers down to the beach one night and we stood there and it was pouring rain. We had raincoats on, we we're just standing like penguins waiting for these turtles to come up and they did. And yeah, still to this day, I, I'm now working with turtles. So the whole conservation thing stuck in there and among other things as well that sort of kicked off from that. That's awesome. So how did you get into conservation in terms of a career? Did you always kind of think that that was the path you were going to go down or was it something that 
um, you kind of were just like winging it and it happened? Like, what was that process like for you? It was a bit of both. When I finished school, I, I really wanted to be a doctor, actually. Um, that was a, a connection with, okay, how can I make impact in this world? And I used to have a, a picture of, sounds kind of brutal now, but it was like a good reminder for me of, of an African family um, in a poverty stricken environment. And that was like the motivation, like, okay, if I can go over there and, and help them have better health, then, you know, that's my impact on the world. Uh, then, so I went to uni, did health science and discovered that partying was fun on the weekend. So I um, swapped and changed a little bit and I just had this burning desire to get overseas. I had the itch big time. So I put it all on hold for a little bit and went backpacking for um, about six months in Southeast Asia. And I was in Vietnam on the back of a motorbike and I was just like, you know what? I love nature. I love conservation. I love traveling. How can I do this for the rest of my life? And then I ended up studying a, um, a science degree where I majored in ecotourism and marine science. So sort of from there started to mold it and set a bit of a foundation uh, for what I'm doing now. And then, yeah, with the traveling and different adventures here and there, it sort of, it was a bit of a wing of it, but still like, yeah, this is what I want to be doing. And it's still, still to this day, winging it each day with new ideas and plans. And as the world starts to open up again, big, big plans. Um, but also then locally too, just, you know, trying to create community again, as I feel that, you know, we're sort of lost, we've lost touch a little bit with each other and then especially lost touch with being in nature um, and, you know, being locked up and you can only just look outside your window there's only so many times you look at that beautiful tree and go, okay, I want to see some more nature. And yeah, I'm just sort of really focusing on that now, encouraging people to get outside and soak it up because it's very important. And yeah, we need more time in it to then respect it a little bit more, I think. Absolutely. That was so a bit I'm of a curious. tangent, sorry. <laughs> no, not <excited. laughs> um, While you were at uni, did you kind of think that you were always the kind of person who was going to like kind of do your own thing or start your own thing? Or did you kind of have a different idea in mind for your career? A uh, bit of both. I, I knew that I wanted to work in the field, um, but I've always had this sort of, I want to say entrepreneurial, but I'm definitely not an entrepreneur yet, but I'd like to be one day, you know, that's just, um, we have, I want to, I want to be able to have the freedom to be able to go out and do all those things. So if I can create a life that ticks all those boxes, then it's sort of, um, yeah, I guess that's, that's the path that I have had in the back of my mind the whole way. Um, yeah. Awesome. So tell us all about the Chasing brand. Yeah. So Chasing Clean Coasts kicked off. Um, I was on a trip in Borneo with uh, one of my best mates and he and I were about to head over to an island called Turtle Island where there was turtles, surprise, surprise. And where the boat picked us up was in a stilt village. So we're on the mainland and we had to walk through the stilt village to get on the boat. And it was about 100 metres of walking through the stilt village. And the rubbish was incredible. Like I'd never seen anything like that before in my life. And that was sort of like another little fire in me to be like, okay, this is, this is something that I want to create. Um, 
And then, yeah, over the years, I was working as a, a dive master for a bit. And then I was working as a tour guide um, and organizing little trips with just families and friends, that sort of thing. And yeah, I thought I would love to just do this for myself and again, create that, that lifestyle to be working for myself than someone else. Awesome. So what made you decide to go down the path of eco-travel? Well, um, I love having that moment with someone that they have like the aha moment, like, oh my gosh, okay, I didn't realize that this plastic problem was so bad. Or, you know, you take them diving and they come up and they're just like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. I've never experienced something like this before. Um, or, yeah, just again, being out in nature and just having those feel good moments where you just can't really describe it. It's just, it's just a good feeling. Um, and so I thought, well, again, tie that with tourism um, and let's create something that you can tick both boxes. And so now when I run tours, I try to be as sustainable as possible, staying in um, accommodation that, you know, is plastic free or is moving towards more sustainable options. Um, we do, slow travel when we can however when you when you're doing a two-week tour sometimes that can be quite hard um, but you know i've planned tours where we are jumping on the public bus because it's going that way anyway so we may as well all jump on there and um reduce our emissions it's very hard like with obviously having an international project means that people are flying and for the future i would love to see the chasing brand have some sort of patch of land or some sort of connection with someone that is planting trees and so that we can offset that carbon. Um, I'm looking at the moment into seaweed planting um, as a way to absorb carbon. And yeah, I mean, potentially once we can travel again, that's something that I'll be really trying to look at because it's hard, you know, you want to do the things that you enjoy, but so many people that are really on this eco path, they can sort of get a bit like, held back, I guess, because like, oh, shit, I can't do that because now my carbon footprint is going to be huge. But, you know, put steps in the right place and um, slow steps, uh, small steps, big differences, then, yeah, we can still make it enjoyable without having such a huge impact on, on our planet. Mm. Yeah, I think that's so important as well when you're like in that startup phase, like you want to do it all and you want to do it all perfectly, but you just can't because you don't have the resources like I can totally relate to that yes like I always have all of these ideas for things and I'm like we're going to do this and we're going to do this and we're going to do this and it's like well okay like it's just me and one other person at the moment so yeah just do the best that we can now and as it grows just make those changes yeah that's um, it and like going back to that community spirit too I mean I feel like some of us are so like oh yeah I can do all this by myself but actually what we need is to all band together like you know this connection right here you just find someone on social media thank god for social media these days you can stalk people and be like yeah they speak in my language let's let's connect um but I'm 100% the same I look at my whiteboard and just go oh gosh where do I start I sit and look at the computer like okay tonight I was going to do all these things and then next minute it's 10 o'clock and I'm like I'm going to bed I can't my brain is done <laughs> same I'll see like something like on Netflix like the other day I got hooked onto oh, you season three I said I wasn't going to watch it yeah so I got like everything done and then I was like you know what I, just, I can't I need to switch off <laughs> uh. You need um, those moments, though. I know. You can't be hard on yourself either. 
This episode of Changemaker Q&A is brought to you by Changemaker Co. Changemaker Collective is a catalyst for young people to live out the motto, tell the world how much you care without saying anything. From iron-on patches for changemakers to upcycle their existing clothes into statement pieces, sustainably and ethically sourced gifts and clothing for changemakers, and community craftivism projects, there's something for everyone. Using a redistributive social enterprise business model, 100% of the profits from Changemaker Co. funds the impact work of the Humanitarian Changemakers Network. Just head to changemakercollective.net for more. Um, I'd love to know what the process was like um, when you started like your company. Did you kind of know what you were doing because of the experience that you had um, as like a tour guide and in travel or were you kind of just like winging it the whole time, like figuring it out as you go? Because I know like from my experience, like starting a business, I'm pretty sure like every step of the way, all I've done is just like Google it. Like the first yeah. thing is like, do I need business insurance? Okay, do this next thing. Like yep. how to send an invoice. <laughs> next thing, like, exactly. How to make an invoice. Like all of these things, like I have no idea. Will you just, how like, to upgrade Canva for free so you can <laughs> make invoices. So I'm going to pay the $17 a month for Canva Pro as much as I love it. Yeah. Oh, I literally last night I sent an email to them and I was like, you've charged me twice because I obviously signed up to some deal and then now the deal is off and I'm paying the $17 a month. And they're like, oh no, sorry, your deal is off. And I was like, well, is there any other promo offers? Because I don't want to pay $17 a month. But yeah, um, back to your question. Winging it 100%. Like, I mean, obviously using the experience that I've got, but uh, a lot of tears have been shed, a lot of conversations with my mother until two o'clock in the morning sitting on the couch going, well, what about this? What about that? And I don't know about this. And rah, 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 rah. Um, and probably the hardest thing for me was being that I'd spent so much time in Southeast Asia um, where it's all pretty loosey-goosey over there and anything goes, then coming back to Australia and going, okay, well, I'm going to register my business in Australia, looking at insurance and all this sort of thing. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I don't have the funds to start up this and have said so many times it's so easy or I can see now why it's so easy for people to just throw in the towel, too hard basket, and, you know, when you're trying to work a, a nine-to-five I don't know how people do it with families, honestly. For anyone listening out there that's got a family working a nine-to-five and building a business, good on you, man, and please send me a message because I want your tips. I don't know how much caffeine you have to have or like little sleep, no eating, whatever. Um, Good on you for for doing that. But, yeah, I was sort of winging it and Googling, asking friends that have done something similar or, um, yeah, reaching out to other people just to see what, what they did. But, I mean... A silver lining for me with COVID, although it took me a little while to sort of get over it um, because I was like, oh, my gosh, I've just officially started this tour company and now we have to put it all on hold. It's been a great chance for me to look back and reflect and see what I would have done differently um, and can now prepare for for the future when we can go again. Mm -hmm. So... Based on what I know from the stalking and the little <laughs> podcast that I've done, um, you did manage to do like one trip right before yes. COVID hit. Hey, so I'd yep. love to hear um, where you guys went and what you did on that tour. Yeah, so for the, the chasing tour, I successfully ran one three-week tour in the Philippines. Um, and I actually haven't talked about it yet on my podcast, so it's coming soon. Um, so I'll give you a little insight. <laughs> exactly. There you go. Um 
so yeah, it was a, a three-week tour. Well, the main part was two weeks, and it of that two weeks, ten days was some sort of give back project. So we connected with NGOs um, over there and conservation organisations that were doing something already. So I would just approach them, and I did like a full recce before I actually set the tour up, connecting with these people. Um, checking out their organisations and all that sort of thing. So we started in Manila and did a great community outreach. There was 200 kids and 50 adults and we just went mad this day. There was lots of English lessons and dancing and games and lots of junk food, which we were almost completely plastic free. So that for me was like, yes, this is awesome. And the guy that was running it, I was like, look, dude, if we're connecting with Chasing, it's got to be as sustainable as possible. So we'd ordered all these takeaway meals. So over in the Philippines, they have Jollibee. Have you been to the Philippines before? I have, yeah. I've yeah. seen Jollibee. Yeah, Jollibee. So uh, for those that don't know what Jollibee is, it's like a KFC cross McDonald's. And the Filipinos absolutely love this food. So, of course, we put together this money um, and part of that was they got a, a breakfast and a lunch it was yeah so the lunch came and they had all bamboo cutlery they had all paper boxes they had a big cooler for their drink bottles so no one was bringing soft drink bottles and i was just yes this is amazing it can be done um so yeah that was a great start to the tour and then we headed down to el nido on palawan um we did beach cleans there we connected with the art cafe um, they're amazing people doing amazing things for El Nido and the island itself. And then we went to Bohol and connected with Dive Alona. Um, and, yeah, they were doing conservation dives. So we were doing all um, coral surveys and beach cleans. We were doing shark conservation workshops. So lots of conservation-based things. Um, and then as well, we were having some fun. We were having some cocktails in the afternoon. We were doing some zip lining. We were riding around in tuk-tuks after maybe a few too many cocktails. Um, and then, yeah, the final week was just like a, a chill out sort of beach on the pool. Let's kick back, do some surfing, this sort of thing. So, yeah, that was the, the first tour. And then I had one planned for Thailand. It was uh, another 14-day tour. I had 14 people ready to go and... I'm sitting on a beach in Thailand. We just finished a four-day um, dog spaying program. So we were just absolutely knackered. Again, we might have been having some cocktails whilst watching the sunset. Um, and my mum calls and she's like, right, Leisha, COVID's kind of kicking off. It's not just a weird flu in China. So what are you doing? <laughs> I was like, yeah, well, it's all good over here. Everything's still happening. Um, and then, yeah, the following day, that's when Australia was like, everyone come home, you're in lockdown. So I got home the day before they made it mandatory to go into the hotel. So I had to do the lockdown oh. at mum and dad's. So it was pretty good. Mum was delivering yeah. me meals and I'm <laughs> out the back like, yeah, I got my own space here. So yeah, but that was the two tours that I had um, well planned and that I was able to run. Mm -hmm. So with the prospect of international travel opening back up again, do you have any kind of tentative plans for your next tours or any ideas of what you want to do next? Yeah, so I definitely want to do those two tours again. Um, obviously a few tweaks here and there. And I have a another one up my sleeve as well that's coming soon. Um, Southeast Asia. I would love to do something in Australia, but honestly the red tape and all the things that you have to pay for 
once I make it and I win that million dollars or someone <laughs> wants to fund me to start doing tours in Australia, then that'll be, um, yeah, I would love to do that as well. Um, main thing being education, learning about the environment and other cultures and just experiencing the world. And I'm really excited to see what's going to happen once COVID uh, or once the world opens up and we go back to normal and how countries have adjusted to a new way of tourism, because I think it's going to be really good. Do you think that before, um, at least before COVID, did you ever struggle, particularly from like a sustainability perspective, with kind of like the differences between things that are so normal here, like recycling and obviously like, you know, if you put rubbish in the bin and then you take your bins out, like, you know, the council's going to come and collect it and in other countries or um, at least certain communities and other parts of the world, like it's not like that. Did you, how do you kind of like deal with that? I guess like cultural difference. Yeah, it was hard. It was definitely hard. And it's so weird because your brain gets so used to it. Like when you're surrounded by 7-Elevens and you can't fill up your water bottle at a tap and you've got to buy a plastic water bottle every time that you want water and you actually get used to that. So then what I would come back to Australia and be like, holy shit, oh, what's, what's going on here? Okay, this is good, this is good. And then I'd go back to Asia and, um, yeah, I'd be having those conversations with the people that I was working with over there and be like, okay, right, we need to change a few things here and there. And it was hard because, again, they don't, they don't have that mindset because they haven't been brought up in, like you said, we put it out in our bin and it's out of sight, out of mind. And that goes, we rely on someone else to deal with it there, whereas... A lot of these third world countries, they don't have that. Um, they don't have the infrastructure to recycle or even pick up rubbish. So people will just leave their rubbish out there and yeah, okay, if the, the monsoon comes and washes it away, that's great. Now the land is clear. Um, so that was hard, but to stay positive, it was, you know, it's, I was connecting with the people that were doing amazing things as well. And slowly, slowly, I would have a lot of conversations with locals and travellers over there. And having that conversation, I feel, is such an important thing um, because it does make people think. If you've never thought about where your plastic bottle ends up or, you know, what the earth had to go through in order for someone to make that one plastic bottle, that especially if it's one of those little ones and they down it in five seconds and then it's gone, um, yeah, until you realise that or until you think about that, you're not going to think about that, right? So, yeah, I guess for me to stay positive and to keep on the, whoa, okay, we got this, kept doing what I could. And, you know, we'd have beach cleans and the locals would come over and they'd say like, oh, where are you from? Oh, I'm from Australia. How about everyone else? Yeah, we're from, you know, the UK or that one's from New Zealand, that one's from America but why are you cleaning up our beach? This isn't your beach. And you'd say, yeah, but it's our ocean. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I said, this rubbish might not have come from this resort right here. It's come from everyone that's all put their rubbish somewhere and it's ended up in the ocean. Um, and I said, and you know what? I'll go home to my beach in Australia and it's going to be on my beach with, you know, a label from some foreign country or from Australia itself. Um, and they're like, oh, okay. I understand now. And then they'd join in and, and pick up rubbish with you for five minutes while they're on their, their day out at the beach. So, yeah, those little moments, you sort of, you got to celebrate those small wins. And even now with COVID as well, I know it took a lot of people back to having to think about all the cups and, you know, okay, this cafe is not filling up my cup, so I'm going to have to take that takeaway 
plastic cup, but you can't go down that doom and gloom. You've got to think of the positives like, okay, well, you know what? I rode to work today. I've been, I've just swapped over to a bamboo toothbrush and I've just had my first shop ever at a bulk food shop. Like that for someone is an amazing step, several steps. So if they take home one coffee cup, it's not the end of the world. And I think that's what sort of kept me through. And even having this conversation the last couple of days, I've been a bit like, oh God, it's all too much. And you have it and you're sort of like, no, 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 we got this. And, you know, as I said before, the more people that we can connect with that are like-minded, um, we got to stand together and we got this. Awesome. What do you think has been one of the biggest lessons that this journey has taught you, whether it's about yourself or starting your own business or about conservation? Um, be open-minded and expect the unexpected <laughs> when there's a weird flu in China that then takes over the whole world and you just got to go, oh, okay, why did I start all this? And oh gosh, what are we going to do with it? Uh, what am I doing with everything else? Yeah, you just, you got to roll with the punches a little bit, um, be flexible, open-minded, definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's really good advice. It's probably something that I need to take on board. <laughs> we all do, I, you know. Sometimes yeah. you say these things and you're like, oh, why, am I, why aren't I listening to the only thing mm. I'm saying? <laughs> um, so it sounds like you've always kind of had some idea of the direction that you were going to go with your career. Um, you've always kind of known what you were passionate about. Um, what's one piece of advice that you would give to young people who maybe aren't so sure and they want a little bit more? Um, direction or clarity um, so that they can figure out exactly what it is that you know is their thing in life yeah um, good question I think that you just got to try stuff go out there and give everything a crack and if you don't like it then you'll soon find out and if you do like it then who knows where it's going to take you for me it was well for the the turtle side of it following these volunteers down on the beach and because i was underage i then had to go to mom i was like oh mom you know they told me that you're gonna have to come and be my guardian and i can get out there and volunteer and one thing led to another and you know when you talk to someone and say oh yeah i'm out on the beach and my shift starts at midnight through till 6 a.m walking in the rain in the sand with turtles in the dark people why in the world are you doing that but I just love it. And so many people do. Um, and if I didn't give that a crack way back then, then who knows? Who knows where I might have ended up? And same with travel. Like I think so many people are so cautious of taking that step out of their comfort zone and going for it. But once they do, I mean, most people that I've met, they absolutely love it. I do have a couple of people that are like, I'm never leaving my country or my hometown again. Um, but yeah, you know, you got to try it. I can't imagine someone not falling in love with travel. Like I had no intentions of like ever really traveling after school. But when I was 17, I just happened to go to this um, conference that was in Hong Kong. And then from there, I just met heaps of people from different places. And I was like, oh my God, like that's it. Someone actually said to me at this conference, they were like, look, if you want to make a difference in the world, you have to experience it first. Exactly. Okay. If this, you know, I was like, this guy says I have to experience the world. And I think I was very naive. I thought to myself, okay, well, if I've got like four more years at university, I'll travel as much as I can in those four years and then I'll be done with it. Like I'll be ready to just focus on my career. And I don't know how many years it's been now, like six years. (laughs) I've been to like 45, no, 49 countries, nearly 50. And I'm like, I'm not even ready to 
even think about like I could never quit traveling like it's just a part of me now yep 100 percent and I like what you said as well I think one of my favorite quotes is that clarity comes from engagement not thought like you can Mm -hmm. sit around and think about like the things that might be good for you or the things that you might enjoy but you're never really going to figure it out until you actually get out there and like give it a crack yeah exactly I mean like it could be as simple as a sport you know like get out there and go and try surfing and some people are going to absolutely hate it. Others are going to love it. And then next thing you know, they've bought 20 boards and they've moved to the Sunshine Coast and they're surfing every day. And it's like, oh my God, I'm so glad I went out there that day and got into that. Like it can be anything. Food. Exactly. I hate mushrooms. No, I'll try mushrooms. Oh my God, I love mushrooms. <laughs> <laughs> Literally that simple. Uh, what in terms of like, um, like self-care and kind of creating a culture of caring in life, do you kind of have like a tool or a practice or an app or any kind of resource that you use that kind of just helps you thrive and get through the day? Honestly, I wish I did. And um, trying to read books and educate myself more about um, some sort of routine that I can get into. But I will say I'm surrounded by great loved ones. Um, I've got a very supportive partner and family. So that's great. And the ocean. You know what? I ride my bike to work most days and I get to look out over the beautiful ocean and just just go, wow, you know, look at this amazing thing out here. Um, keep going, Leash. You've got this. That's what I use. No app. I the ocean that. app. <laughs> no, the ocean is, yeah, perfect. Like, yeah, making sure that you're in, like, the right environment that you need to thrive, yeah. I think. Nature. Really Nature is amazing. Um, final question. How can everyone connect with you and find out more and support your work? Yeah, all right. Well, like Tiana here, you just go and stalk me on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Um, the podcast is really good it made me want to like um, travel now I'm like oh when is like my PhD break I'm like ready to go out traveling again that's good that's what I want where did you find my podcast can I ask I found your Instagram and then I found like I got onto the podcast through your Instagram I think I found the chase and clean post Instagram then I found you or then I found the podcast and I found you yeah, yeah. Well, there I you go. I just split into your DMs and I was like, oh my God, this is going to look a bit weird, but I'm just going to be on my no. podcast. Why not? I've, I've done it to yeah. several people and it's good because, you know, if you don't, then we wouldn't have this conversation and good on you. You stood exactly. out of your comfort zone and you, <laughs> you took the step. Um, but yeah, if anyone else wants to find me, so several places, I do have the podcast and it's called Chasing Travels, Chasing Without the G. Um, my company is Chasing Clean Coast, again, Chasing Without the G. And my name is Alicia, E-L-I-S-H-A Petrie. Um, so, yeah, you can find me. I'm trying to be on everything and everywhere, but oh, I have a love-hate relationship with social media. <laughs> so do I. <laughs> I hope you guys enjoyed that episode as much as I did. With the world about to open up for travel post-COVID, I know that I'm super keen to get back out there and experience the world again. I think it was also really great for us to be reminded that if you want to start your own business or passion project in the world of social change, you don't need to have the whole path mapped out. You just need to take that first step and figure out the next step as you go. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of Changemaker Q&A. If you have a question about changing the world that you'd like me to answer, just head to humanitarianchangemakers.net forward slash podcast. If you enjoy the show, we'd really appreciate it if you'd leave us a review so that we can get the word out and equip and empower as many young people as we can to change the world. 
The Humanitarian Changemakers Network is a solutions media and education platform, so feel free to head to our website for plenty more news and resources to help you make change happen.